Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. YouTube.com slash Brodo Fantasy. You want to see us dancing along to the intro. That's what we usually do in the background anyway. Dancing is kind. What's up, patrons? What's good? Oh, we played the intro for the patrons. We shouldn't even done that. We don't really usually do ah, that. They love uh, it. Uh, 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 it looped. Tim's back, baby. Tim's uh, back. Michael's was, Michael's was happy that he didn't have to make the mistake this time. It was yeah, it was you. Time. Yeah, go yourself. All right, we got the Brodo Awards. Patrons, you already know the deal. Thank you for supporting us. We love you. And the way that you vote on these awards is you're going to... Uh, we'll do it in the all polls. How's that sound? In the Discord. Yeah, in the Discord. Michael, you're on that. Because you usually do, you're usually on things like this. Yeah, you, you good with that? Yeah, man. It's, it's what do you easy. think? Or Twitter? Are you going to Twitter? Let's do Twitter too. But the but the patrons, but the patrons will count for two votes because they're patrons. Because you guys are you guys. We love you guys. Um, yeah. So we're doing these, and you're gonna vote on them, and we each have a contender. And last time we did this too, each person who won a vote got a point in the bets, didn't they? We've done that. I think in the past. we did that, but then let's do that. Let's we said it, it wasn't entirely fair. It is not entirely fair okay. because I picked third in all these categories. Fair. Yes, and yeah, some some are more obvious than others. And mine are obviously the best choices anyway. So. You picked first, you son of a bitch. Oh, that one, <laughs> Michael. You didn't. You didn't nail the the thing that we just li- we literally just finished recording, and we're like, we need to put our Twitter ads in our bottom names, and Michael did not. Oh, I hurried in here. I'll figure out how to do it while we're <laughs> while we're talking. All right, all right. It's time to get into these uh, awards. Now, look, everyone's doing awards. We do it Brodo style. Hey, look at that! I'm back, Brodo with Mike. So the awards are going to be the MVP, the most valuable player, the person who brought the most value to your fantasy squad. Then you got the most improved player. The person who took the leap, the rookie of the year, self-explanatory, the offensive player of the year. Um, basically someone who like MVP brought value. Offensive player of the year was just a beast, you know, um, bust. Pretty, pretty simple. The way too early sleeper slash steal for next season. The pull your hair out player inconsistency. The Robert Ori big shot Bob player of the year. Thank you. You know how we feel about Robert Ori. Robert Ori was always trash for the first forty for the first forty six minutes of the game, and then the last two minutes, this man just lined up and hit every single clutch shot there ever was. I nicknamed myself Robert Ori in basketball because that's what but I, I most, do as well. Most game or uh, the most game winning buzzer beaters in NBA history. Yeah, and he'd like he's a it's not insane. even it makes he's no he's sense. Like an and that's man why that's why when best. sports scientists say that the clutch gene doesn't exist, I spit in their faces. It's nonsense. It absolutely does. I will say I you're care. you're a really. I don't nice care if guy. it's not tangible and data. <laughs> yeah, maybe not spit their face. I would probably. Yeah, but you're a really nice guy, man. That would really shock me. I know it's not like tangible and analytics per se, and I am an analytics guy, but it, it makes no sense that like Robert Horry can consistently hit buzzer beater fours after sitting on the bench for like you said, yeah, forty six minutes, or that Damian Lillard puts everybody away in Game Seven over and over and over and over and over again, but other guys don't. So, and then we got the Shakespeare player. What could have been? Oh, shake a spear. And then finally, the waiver rider, the best waiver pickup of the year. Now, I will say these are the drops from last year. So I have no idea what these drops are even going to sound like. Okay. So I'm very excited. 
to get into these drops. Let's get into our first category, the MVP. Let's start with the big one. Michael. We weren't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. Put clothes on our backs, food on the table. You sacrificed for us. You the real MVP. Michael, who's the real MVP for you? <laughs> I think oh, you some gotta, people. You got to rate the drops, though. Rate the drops. How you feeling? That was ten good. Yeah, that was ten, good. ten. I like it. All right, all right. First I'll, drop. I'll start. I'll start high too. Ten out of ten. Um, this guy probably made a lot of people feel that way, and it's Austin Eckler, who is just an absolute menace on the football field the entire year. Nine hundred fifteen rushing yards, thirteen rushing touchdowns, one hundred twenty-seven targets. 107 receptions, 722 receiving yards, and five touchdowns through the air. He did not have a single game where you were like, damn it, I started Austin Eckler. Because that's just that's just not what happens when you start Austin Eckler. Only three games this year in single digits in half EPR, and all of those were above nine. So just barely missing the 10-point um, threshold there. But he had several games, a 31-point game, a 34-point game, a 30-and-a-half-point game over 30 points, a 31-point game to round it out in the playoffs. In the playoffs, he put up 14 against Tennessee, which is the most difficult matchup you could get this year for opposing running backs, 21.9 against Indy, and 31.1 against the Rams in uh, in half PPR setting. So Austin Eckler is my MVP because he was, he was just all reliable, and he came through big time when you needed him in the semis and championship, putting up over 50 total points in half PPR settings. So Austin Eckler, MVP. Michael? I fucks with it. I fucks with it. Um, Matt, who is your MVP? I mean, it's a little hard to to argue over all of that, but I'm going to go with the the other guy that actually produced more points per game once he's than Austin Eckler once he switched teams, and that's Christian McCaffrey. 21 points per game on the season. That's ranked RB2 behind only Eckler, obviously, but averaged 23.7 points per game and nine complete starts with the 49ers, which would have been RB1. Had only one game with the 49ers below double-digit fantasy points. His lowest scoring outing outside of that outlier does was 13.8 which was still good for rb17 on the on the week 12 rb1 finishes eight top five finishes averaged 23.6 points per game during the fantasy playoffs with a 31.3 outing against the raiders in the fantasy championship 1139 rushing yards on 244 carries 85 receptions led the league with 751 receiving yards on 107 targets top 10 opportunity share 13 total touchdowns good for third overall Top eight in rushing yards, led the league in target share at 21.8, third in in true target value at the position, Uh, efficient with every touch, 1.2 points per opportunity, 1.92 yards per route route run, 5.7 yards per touch, top 10 in big plays, second in best ball EPA, first overall in running back EPA, number one amongst running backs in true fantasy grade with 98.5, trailing only Justin Jefferson and Patrick Mahomes as a third-ranked player overall. There you go. Fantasy MVP. All right. Enough with the child play. All right. Although although I had I had Austin Eckler on my home league team and it was uh delightful and delectable. Um also CMC, also a great player. But let's not waste any more time with this. And let's get to the player who finished as the number one overall position player that there was. Some people even went as far, Michael in particular, as saying, forget these running backs. I'm taking Justin Jefferson number one overall. And if you did that, you were very, very happy. We're talking about first in targets, first in receptions, first in receiving yards, fifth in touchdowns, 
fourth in true throw value, number uno in fantasy points points per game, 23.2 PPR fantasy points per game. He had the most red zone opportunities of any wide receiver. He had the most big plays of anywhere. Guess how many big plays Justin Jefferson had? 26. 24. 28. Bro, you guys are – those are both ridiculous guesses that you guys just had, and they're not high enough. Yeah. That's how good Justin Jefferson has been, and he is clearly the MVP. You pass on these wide receivers for Justin Jefferson. J. Jeff, my guy, forever I will remember him for being a rookie on my fantasy team that had Alvin Kamara on it that should have won a championship. But I love you. I love you, Justin Jefferson, and you continue to be the best wide receiver in football. And you're the MVP in my eyes, the real MVP. All right. Those are the first three people that are up here. Now let's get into our most improved player, the player that took that next step or that leap this season. When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. You wheezing. The only thing you trying to do is get some air. You don't care about no basketball game. You don't care what's on TV. You don't care about nobody calling you. You don't care about a party. The only thing you care about when you're trying to breathe is to get some fresh air. That's it. And when you get to the point where all you want to do is be successful, as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. All right. That was a long one. Yeah, it was a long one. I think yeah. I have a couple of long ones. Uh, that one's like a four. Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. Yo, he's give my you, guy. I don't think it was a four. I'll give you a seven. Seven? All right, I'm going to give myself Too long. Like a, yeah, you like say a anything five. about improvement. I'm going to go 5.5. 5. Well, you got to improve <laughs> if you want to breathe. You know, if you want to breathe, you got to improve. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the moral of the stories. If you want to breathe, you have to improve. All Learn right, Matt. How to breathe. <laughs> Let me take it away. I'll Matt, tell you about who's, who's your guy. Improved. My guy and my guy is Trevor Lawrence, most improved player, and I think he genuinely might win the award if there was one in the NFL. Uh, he progressed from one of the absolute worst statistical rookie seasons that you'll ever see in the NFL, blossoming into a true franchise quarterback <laughs> with superstar potential. He attempted 605 passes as a rookie, completed 59.6% of those passes for just 364 or 3,641 yards, rather, uh, 12 touchdowns, led the league with 17 interceptions, 12.9 points per game. That was QB 29. That was his first season. In year two, 25 touchdowns, that's eighth, seventh interceptions, um, seven in interceptions. Um, can't even say that right. He threw just seven interceptions. There you go. Touchdowns. He did it. There, we got it out. That, it progressed, obviously, in that department. But 4,113 yards, that's ninth on fewer attempts, upping his completion percentage to 66.3%. Added five rushing touchdowns, boasted a top seven in EPA, top 10 in rushing yards, top five in rushing TDs, which I think is certainly overlooked in his profile. He jumped from averaging 12.9 points per game to 17.9 points per game as a bona fide top 12 fantasy quarterback as a rookie he was qb 30 overall in true throw value in 2022 he finished as the qb 14 overall in true throw value but he was the qb 5 in true throw value for quarterbacks that started all 17 games so out of you know there were i think eight quarterbacks that started all 17 games for their teams this season and trevor lawrence was Number five of those eight was top five in the league. Um, true player grade in his rookie season was 27.4, which is an F grade. Also QB 30 coinciding with his true target value. True player grade in year two jumped to 80.9. That's QB six overall. Now he did disappoint in the final game against Houston, but scored 33.4 points um, 
in the opening week of the fantasy playoffs. That was QB one and 27.8 points in the semi. That was QB five, uh, took the Jaguars from a team that garnered two consecutive first overall picks to the leaders of the AFC South and their first playoff berth since 2017. That is not just for fantasy. In my opinion, genuinely the most improved player in the NFL. That's a cute answer. It's cute. But Matt, mine is a true redemption story. And how do you beat a true redemption story? Which is why my most improved player is Geno Smith. The only answer here, because he broke Seattle Seahawks records, threw for over 4,000 yards, threw for 30 touchdowns, was top 10 in the league in both completions and pass attempts, and still had the second highest completion percentage in the league. He was even top 10 in rushing yards, um, top 10 in points per game as a quarterback. He ended as the eighth overall scorer in fantasy leagues this year after being a journeyman all the way until his age 32 season in a year that people expected Seattle Seahawks to fight for the number one overall pick. They traded away Russell Wilson and people thought the Seahawks were toast and they were starting over and Geno Smith stepped in and absolutely dominated, had a arguably a better year than Russ has even ever had outside of his Super Bowl run with Seattle and, uh, just absolutely balled out 30 touchdowns to 11 interceptions is nuts to see after the career that he's had. So my most improved player is my most improved player is Geno Smith, the true redemption story. And the only answer here, folks, I disagree with you about the only answer. Cause I think mine is the answer. I think you guys missed one. <laughs> I wanted to say CD lamb, but I just want to point out CD lamb because um, he was my hat hanger and I want him to take that jump into alpha earning an alpha target share uh making alpha plays and he definitely made that leap into alpha i don't think anyone has a doubt that cd lamb is an alpha after the season um with that being said add this guy here to one of the many guys i was one year early on the most improved player is a player who jumped in half ppr production by 113 points he more than doubled his Gino fantasy, is like 300. fantasy output of last year. Gino's a quarterback. The guy <laughs> I'm talking about was a steal in RB2 territory, in RB4 territory when you were drafting. Jamal Williams. Gino was undrafted. He broke people's records, bro. And those people's are Barry Sanders. You know, Barry bro, Sanders. He broke. Barry Sanders touchdown record, a hundred, you know, over a thousand yards, seventeen rushing touchdowns, even added twelve receptions on top of that. I thought Jamal Williams was going to be something to say. He added twelve receptions, a whole yeah. twelve, yeah, for, you know for over seventeen games. You know what? You know what? He added twelve receptions. <laughs> that's and one of the funniest things you've ever done. That's a whole touchdown. <laughs> that's a whole touchdown worth of points. All right, so don't talk to me about that. That's a whole, a whole Barry Sanders touchdown. That's a whole touchdown worth of points. The bottom line is Jamal Williams. You are not expecting anything out of him, and he ends up um, as a fantastic fantasy player. There's nothing really you can add to it. He was a solid RB two all year. He did have his ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. It's a national uh, treasure, bro. But he is a, he is the man. Uh, Jamal Williams making his presence felt here, there, everywhere. He's Jamal He's fucking man. Williams. All right, uh, let's get into the rookie of the year next. Um, this is one where I definitely uh, I I'm not gonna win this one. Right? Key to being a big league pitcher is the three R's: readiness, recuperation, and conditioning. 
<laughs> the three R's. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yo, that's that's one of the best scenes from Rookie of the Year. The movie Rookie of the yeah. Year, by the way. You know, I'll give you like a, I'll give you an eight on that. I would have gave you like a nine, but it doesn't say rookie in there anywhere. Like I knew it was from the movie Rookie of the Year, but yeah, there's no, if you don't know it's from the movie, you're kind of like, I don't understand how this is related. Mm, all right, fine. All right. Uh, Michael, who is your winning pick? Lead us off, Mike. Yeah, this one shouldn't be a surprise. I've been uh, a big fan of his all year long. And that's Garrett Wilson. As a rookie, 147 targets, 83 receptions, 1,103 receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns. Yes, there were up and downs throughout the fantasy season, um, but he had three different games where he absolutely dominated. 27 against Cleveland, 21.5 against Minnesota, um, 24 against Chicago Bears. And he did this through the quarterback carousel of Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and and Mike White. So 1,100 1, 1, receiving yards in a season with Flacco, Wilson, and White throwing him the ball. All a just constant carousel between those guys is just super, super impressive. And imagine what Garrett Wilson's going to do when he has a, a real quarterback throwing him the ball. So he's my rookie of the year. Yeah. That's a good that's a good pick, Mike. That's a good pick. Matt, who's your rookie of the year? Oh, I mean, luckily I have a better pick. Um, how about the guy that scored more fantasy points than Garrett Wilson? Chris Olave, who happened to lead Ooh. all rookie wideouts in points per game, averaging 13.2. 72 receptions on 119 targets, played three less games. Garrett Wilson still had 1,042 yards and four touchdowns. Led the Saints in all receiving categories. An elite separator, an elite target earner at all levels of the field, commanded a higher target share than Garrett Wilson at 26.7%, a higher target rate than Garrett Wilson at 29.3%. A 14.0 yard dot, ranked 15th, 10th, and 10th amongst all players, respectively. Broke the single game rookie record for most air yards in a game with 303, which actually ranks third all time since the league has been following that stat. Topped all rookies in true air yards while earning a 40.8% air yard share, good for third amongst all receivers this season. Was one of the most efficient and effective rookie wide receivers in the entire league. Averaged 2.57 yards per route run, ranked 10th amongst all receivers. 2.26 yards per team pass attempt, ranked 9th amongst all receivers. Finished the season with a true player grade of 80.4 and a true target value of 4.25. Both of which, both of which, also ranked first amongst all Boach rookies of this which. season. <laughs> both of which, so, okay, that would be like a really dope like Russian transfer. So I was gonna say it sounds college. like a Russian name. <laughs> or what about a sandwich? Bochevich. Like y'all want to have the both of which? No, it sounds like you're saying both sandwiches. I'll Bochevich. <laughs> uh, Bochevichs. Um, and I I know that Tim and probably Mike will want to mention that he certainly tapered off towards the end of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. Was a little bit of a detriment towards your roster in the playoff, but I'll concede feet. To that point, no problem there. But there is not a single NFL rookie that has a greater bother of work than Chris Olave this season, and that is quite literally not debatable. All right, uh, I I mean I can't debate that uh, because my <laughs> pick sucks. Um, I was close to picking Brees Hall here, regardless of the fact that he missed. I don't know why you didn't just take Kenneth Walker, but did you go uh, Tyler Algier or some shit? Christian nah, yeah, I took Damian Pierce. I took Damian Pierce. Um, the reason I put Damian Pierce is because he saved a lot of people from embarrassment. Um, he ended up putting together a pretty good year. Like he was 14th in rushing yards, even though he missed, uh, like six, five or six games in the season, um, with 939, um, seventh in rushing yards per game. He was 22nd in PPR points per game. So he was a guy who you could play, uh, for a while. And there are some people absolutely losing their minds during draft season when he, 
popped up out of nowhere, drafting him in the fourth, fifth round, and just like those teams would have looked horrible if if Damian Pierce didn't at least take them through the first few weeks with some uh, decent production. My pick sucks. Don't pick my pick. I will say that I will say that Algier would have been a much better pick. I mean. <laughs> he did lead all rookies in rushing yards this season and had a phenomenal closeout where he was a legitimate playoff asset, more so even than just a flex play. Like he was putting up RB2 numbers in the fantasy playoffs. Tyler Yalzier um, has another nomination. So that's why I, I that's fair, my bad. Tyler. I kind of, I, I forgot. I, that's why I tried to stop myself. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, so does, so does, Justin Jefferson is going to be mentioned at some point, Tim, too, but you just had to pick him as your MVP. Mr. Uh, I can't, yeah. I can't read over here to, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not stopping myself. I'm not stopping myself from from picking him as the MVP. Fair enough. All right. Well, since I won that category, yeah. you want to move on to the next the one? Fu- <laughs> uh, I don't know. Vegas. Vegas the likes Garrett Wilson. Fu- I, I, I actually, I think Garrett Wilson might because just because of New, obviously the big market, New York, the the press voting because he played more games as well. Yeah, like I do think he probably will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But Olave legitimately had a better season. All right, let's get into our next one, the Offensive Player of the Year, Michael. Uh, there's no drop for this one. I don't know why. Michael, you're up. Yeah, it's Justin Jefferson. I mean, the guy was a monster. He put up 1,800 yards. You already spewed all the extra stats about him, so I don't want to just repeat Let's not waste time. Go ahead. Said. Go ahead, yeah. Matt. <laughs> I... I uh, think that he, Justin Jefferson falls more better into this category as well. My guy, Patrick Mahomes, might have actually been the 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 conversation for MVP, but yeah, I running backs being as highly, especially, you know, this is a redraft focus pod, and I'm talking about one QB ADP, so Christian McCaffrey not being anything but the 1-1, in my opinion, makes him the most valuable player on your rosters. Um, but Patrick Mahomes wasn't going as the QB one either, and that's certainly where he finished. Could have easily been the MVP because I'm sure that's the award that he's going to bring home in the NFL when the season wraps up. Set the single season record for total yards. That's not passing yards, but total yards. Surpassing Drew Brees' record of 5,562 with a whopping 5,806. He has 5,250 passing yards. That sits fourth of all time. So there have been 14 separate 5,000-yard seasons from quarterbacks throughout the NFL. A little side note is Drew Brees happens to make up six of those seasons, but of those 14 seasons where a quarterback has thrown for more than 5,000 yards, Patrick Mahomes' 2022 body of work marks the only time that a quarterback has accomplished that feat without a wide receiver passing the, surp- the surpassing the 1,000-yard threshold. Wow. Now, I... Kelsey obviously did 1338 receiving, but it's absolutely wild to me that Patrick Mahomes sets the single season total yard record after losing Tyreek Hill, who, if you look at his season in Miami, is very clearly still a top three NFL wide receiver, only to put up career best numbers in a record breaking season with no receiver on his roster that surpasses a thousand and a 33 year old tight end getting double coverage across the middle, throwing into tight windows on almost every single play. Like it's first and clean pocket percentage, first in red zone attempts, first in red zone completion percentage, first in red zone completions, first in touchdowns, first in yards. It just first in EPA, first in QBR. He's an absurd what, human. It doesn't it legitimately doesn't make sense because nobody in the NFL has ever oh, Drew Brees has thrown for 5000 yards six different times in his career every single season. Michael Thomas, Marcus Colston, Robert Meacham. Somebody had a thousand yards. Uh, I hope I'm not. Uh, Sorry, I got fired up there. It's no, wild. no get it. Get true. it really is. I hope I'm not stepping on. I don't think he applies for anything else. 
I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here because I'm I'm making a radical shift on my um offensive oh, player here. I'm going with I had Josh Allen who has a argument, but yeah, Mahomes I'm wins that. Uh, well, here's a guy who has is up against Mahomes, a guy who finished first overall in PPR points per game, and that's Jalen Hurts. Uh, 26.4 points per game. He was an absolute stud when he played. Uh, the injuries at the end is what stopped him from being the clear fantasy MVP. You got him at a very, very, very reasonable price, probably, uh, in your drafts way later than yeah, like Allen, way later than Mahomes. So way later than like guys like Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, even like he was one of those guys that was going at the end of the first round. I mean, the end of the first round quarterbacks and ended up being the best of the bunch when it came to points per game. So Jalen Hurts is my offensive player of I think that's the a good, year. I think that's a very good pick, especially not for MVP, because obviously you didn't get to use him at all in the playoffs, but right. absolutely offensive player of the year. That's, an, that's pretty inarguable, actually. More points than anybody. Uh, let's go to the exact opposite. Let's get into these busts. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point... In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Tremendous. Oh, favorite. Man, that's what an incredible scene from an incredible movie. All right. Um, Matt, Leosoff, who is your bust of the year? I mean, I'm going to just concede defeat completely to Mike. Mike, you can take the betting points. Um, and I'll, I'll even touch on somebody that he brought up as a bust in our, our previous pod. But I chased Cole Komet really heavily this season, and it bit me pretty hard. I mean, I admittedly chased his targets a little too far. He had a top 12 target share last season, committed 17.7% of his team's opportunity, managed 17 point, or managed 7.1 points per game, rather. That was tight in 21 last season. I was like, well, man, like... Who else is earning more targets? Eventually, regression is going to come, right? Wrong. This year, he upped his target share to 19.3%. That ranked eighth amongst all tight ends at the position. Finished with seven total touchdowns. Jesus. That ranked fourth amongst all tight ends at the position. How many points per game? 8.7. What the tight fuck? How that, how does that happen? <laughs> like, that's, that's what I like. That's like hard to do. Bro, you have a top eight target share and our top five in total touchdowns at the position and our tight end 16 in points per game. That is That's monumental the, bust level. Doesn't even make any sense. Like, and not, and like, he was for sure going in tight end one territory, absolutely very late, you know, in that, that tight end dead zone, kind of the way that we like to call it. But somebody that I was, because he was in that zone, I was so excited. Like all of this regression is just going to come crashing down because he earns targets. Well, it seems like those targets are kind of manufactured, not overly earned, and he certainly isn't doing much with them. Tight end 33 in true target value this season. Tight end 33. There's only 32 teams in the NFL. <laughs> uh, tight that... end 33 in true target value. Tight end 15 in true player grade. Obviously an F grade. 50 receptions, 540, or 544 yards rather. I mean, one of the worst production seasons I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, terrible. One of the one, I have another tight end. I'm going to double up the tight end. Michael talked about him in, when I wasn't on the podcast. I'm not going to spend too much on it just to, for the sake of that, but Kyle Pitts, what a bust. 
guys were taking this guy, Michael mentioned in expert drafts at the turn uh, in some leagues. Just absolutely like his true target value was pretty good. Uh, it was ninth. So that's good. The only problem is he turned that to a 21st overall PPR points per game, 25th in PPR points overall. Um, just, you know, I mean, he had some good peripherals like that you can build on. His A dot was first among tight ends. He was yards per catch was fifth. So he was a big play receiver. Besides that, he only got five red zone opportunities. Uh, he failed to bring in at 16% of the team's targets, a 15.3% uh, percent target share. Uh, I just, it was a terrible year for Kyle Pitts, a guy that we were fading as a podcast, D plus fantasy player. Um, Kyle Pitts is a bust for me. That's that, that was one that just absolutely murdered you because it's not like you can go out and hit someone on the waiver wire. that's going to take up your tight end spot. Like you, there's a lot of opportunity costs there. And there's also a lot of just like not able to replace costs there. Fair enough. My turn. Yes. My yes, bust here is a guy who it was just I mean, you'll understand right when I say his name, Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. My issue with Deontay Johnson is that not only did he like he put up 84 receptions on 844 receiving yards, which doesn't seem bad on the surface, but that game was zero touchdowns. And the reason I have him with the bust here is not only that he had a bad season, it's that he just kept teasing you into keeping him in your lineup and just sucking while in your lineup. Like this Most guy targets and receptions in a single season without a touchdown. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. Well, this he got guy, himself a touchdown in, in week 18, but it didn't count for fantasy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't count for fantasy, but he did it in real life. Just putting that out there. Yeah, but nonetheless, he was just useless basically the entire season. Nine, ten point seven, three point two, eight point five, seven, six, four point two, seven point four, eleven point two. He just kept getting those games from Deontay Johnson. His best game came in week 15 when he went 10 for 98. So you're thinking, oh, maybe he could build on that in the playoffs. And he went five for 64 against Las Vegas and two for 35 against Baltimore. Just an abysmal season from Deontay Johnson, who people were drafting as like in the top 15 wide receivers um, based on how he's been playing his his entire career, basically. And it just it did not work out for him this year. That's what happens when you. uh I don't know. I guess when you have Kenny Pickett passing you the ball and Mitchell Trubisky, but yeah, bad season for Deontay Johnson. Well, this is a, a, this is going to be a smooth transition here because uh, we're about to get into our way too early picks of the year. No, no. You can't be done yet. Come on, Ruben, focus. You have to last at least five minutes here. Four minutes, 27, 26, 25, 55, 54, 53, 52, 51. Oh, God. 50. Yeah, fifty. Woo! Way too early. Why, wait a second. Why would? Why wouldn't you have that for bust, bro? That's yeah. uh, you're just your head's in the gutter. My way too early sleeper for next year value is Deontay Johnson, for all the reasons that Michael just said. Um, look, touchdowns is the biggest variant in fantasy football. When you have zero touchdowns, it is a giant, 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 giant difference. Imagine he had eight touchdowns. That is. 40 more points that is a significant amount more points uh so you know I, yeah, that's let's give everyone really eight extra touchdowns i'm just right, saying right. no you get a touchdown here's the thing you like, get a touchdown. i find five points just any average ending of touchdowns maybe eight's a lot but you know if you give them five that's an extra 30 points man 
The extra Jim, 30 points on the total. Yeah, but, the more touchdowns he scored, the more fantasy points that would have coincided my, as well. See, but that's I get what you're saying. Regression is coming. See, that's why we fuck with Matt because of you math know, skills like that. Oh, Matt, we'll give him we'll give him 12 receptions that like like Jamal Williams added on this year. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just an extra touchdown. Look, yeah. look, he had the heat. He was he was tenth in rushing attempts of one wide receivers with seven rushing attempts. So uh, yeah, it's very interesting. no. But listen, he was the he had the sixth most targets of any wide receiver during the fantasy I know, season. I, I agree with he you. He had I the eleventh most receptions. His true target value was fortieth. Um, and he completely outperformed that in PPR points per game. Uh, I mean PPR overall points, the 29th uh, in PPR points. He only had eighteen red zone opportunities all year. Uh, but he was 10th overall in target percentage, got a quarter of the team's targets. This is just a guy who is stuck in an offense with a rookie quarterback. And I think it's going to get a lot better next year. So I think that people are going to look at him like, oh, he's on the he's on the downturn. Don't touch Deontay Johnson. And people are going to get him in their wide receiver three. And and he's going to outperform that by a lot. And he's going to be one of the better picks, I think, next year easily. Assuming ADP is where I assume it is. Yeah, we'll so, see. So, uh, that's my that's my way too early sleeper, Michael. Who's yours? Mine is Alexander Madison, who's going to hit the the open market and find a new home. And I think some team is going to pay him, and uh, whatever team does pay him, they're going to be giving him the rock a decent amount. And Alexander Madison, at, at times when he's been on the field, you can't tell if it's Alvin Cook or Alexander Madison running the ball. They got the same type of look, Facts. and uh, he's been productive when given the chance. So I'm excited to see where Alexander Madison ends up. But like if you're drafting now, I can't imagine him going in like the obviously you're not drafting now, but if you draft before he hits free I mean, agency and signs to a many, team, many yeah, people are. That's true. If I mean for redraft, but like after the Super Bowl, maybe you start jumping into redraft leagues. Like once he signs, his ADP is going to jump way up, in my opinion. So get him on as many yeah. teams as you can before then. I like it, Matt. Who you got? Jahan Dotson. I uh, started the season red hot, caught three touchdowns in his first two games, outings of 18.0 and 17.9 points in weeks one and two. Had another decent performance against Dallas in week four, caught three for four um, and another touchdown fourth of the season, but fell off significantly following that game amidst injuries and obviously the changes at quarterbacks as team elected to go from Wentz to Heineke and then eventually back to Wentz during the final four weeks. However, Dotson seemingly took over Terry McLaurin as the wide receiver one and top producer in fantasy 15.8 points per game from week 13 through week 17. He finished his rookie campaign with just 35 receptions, 523 yards, 61 targets. So that's obviously going to keep his ADP pretty low. Only a 15.9% target share as well, which are both wildly underwhelming when compared to the opportunities earned by his fellow draft mates in their inaugural seasons. But that's where the discount comes into play, and I think he's going to far exceed that in his second year. He was quietly efficient with his minimal volume, counted for 30.1% of the team's total passing production. That ranks 14th amongst all receivers market share this season. 14.9 yards per reception, that's 16th, 13.5 yard A dot, 14th, and 2.14 fantasy points per target, which is 6th. Um, the more that they use Jahan Dotson, and obviously they plan on it, they drafted him as a first-round wide receiver, the more you're going to see this production level out and not be so touchdown dependent as well. Only bars on the fantasy football web road podcast. Um, yeah. So let's go into our next one. It is the pull your hair out player. The guy that was just so inconsistent. It killed what have you done, Derek? Nothing. You've done nothing. Nothing. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. 
I'm just I'm on a Ben Stiller. I'm on a Ben Stiller yeah, kick. Right. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with two guys here. I know I'm cheating a little bit, but they're in the same backfield, so it counts. When Jeff Wilson got traded to the Miami Dolphins, um, after in Week Nine, uh, just so, something happened in the air that just was like, all right, well, we are going to make these two running backs. We're going to make your life living hell. Now, in week 10, they both played well. They both ended up as RB1s. But besides that, when one guy did good, one guy did bad. When the other guy did good, the other guy did bad. Uh, let's go through Jeff Wilson's finishes. RB, 8, 7, 25, 78, 54, 24, 22. Raheem Mostert, 25, 10, 57, 36, 13, 47, 4. Like these are just exact opposites of one another. You can never tell who's going to go off at a time. It completely took your mind out because if you notice in all of those, there are every single week there's a running back one or a running back two finish for one of these guys. Um, but you just never knew who it was going to be. Pull your hair out if I had any. That's my. Those are my guys. Matt, who'd you pick? Miles Sanders for That's me. That's the answer for hundred percent for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe one hundred percent. We'll see Miles Sanders receive the volume and the opportunities that coincide with obviously what his talent looks like he can handle. But until that day comes and that day, maybe never as he enters free agency, he's going to go down as one of the most frustrating fantasy assets to roster of all time, in my opinion. Like, OK, let's just run through his game logs. And that's really all I'm going to bring up. Just his game logs to kind of explain everything. Week one, RB 13, 18.5 points. Week two, RB 18, 11.6. You're like thinking, OK, this is why I drafted Miles Sanders where I did in that little dead zone spot. He can still produce. RB2 numbers, sometimes RB1 numbers for my roster, great. Week three, RB51. But week four, he reels you back in, going for 29.6 in an RB3 finish, only to follow that up the following week, 8.4 RB37. Then 14.2 as RB15 against Dallas, who houses a top three rushing defense. 13.8 following week, RB21. RB11 in week nine against Houston. And now you're thinking, okay, like Miles Sanders is a must-start option. He had a good game against Dallas. They were a top five defense. Had a bad game against the Cardinals, who was a bottom five defense, but then has put together two back-to-back. And then he goes out and puts 5.4 points and 5.8 points up the following weeks against the Commanders and Colts, finishing outside of the top 36 players in the position and outside of the top 100 overall. And then 31 points against the Packers as RB2 overall in week 12 back down to RB23 in week 13, up again to RB3 in week 14, and then finishes in the fantasy playoffs, RB64, RB36, RB47. And what's the most frustrating part about all of this is he finishes RB13 overall. So if you tell me I had a borderline RB1 on my roster the entire season, I'm asking where? Where? Big I mean, I had Miles Sanders, and it was wonderful when he went off, and it sucked when he didn't. But it's real. wildly difficult to predict. The Cardinals yeah. are a top five points over average team yeah. in, in rushing production alone, and he puts up 8.2 points, and then goes against the Cowboys, who are allow minus 50% of rushing production to the running back position, and he puts up 15.4. Yeah, Like, you can't, I could never figure out when this kid was going to go off, and neither could the Eagles, seemingly. Yeah, he had, you had to start him every week. It was annoying. So frustrating. Anyway, I got fired up. I have the real answer. Well, uh, well, that's a good answer. Miles Sanders had, let's see, nine top 24 running back performances and six RB3 or worse, while Christian Kirk had eight 
top 24 performances, only one wide receiver three performance and six wide receiver four or worse performances. Ugh. Christian Kirk had a good season, but man, he went from three big games to start the year to 7.3, 1.6, 8.8, back up a decent game against Giants, 13 and a half, then down to five and a half to end to close out the season. He put up 12.2 against Dallas if you had him in the semis and then 4.1 and 3.1 in the semis and the finals um, in fantasy championship matchups. This guy had one game this year, excuse me, two games this year over 20 fantasy points. He also had two games this year under four fantasy points. Like he was just about as up and down as you could get. And it was fairly easy to kind of find the spots where he wasn't going to do well because it was difficult matchups. He's not really going to do well. It's kind of like Omari Cooper-esque where he would just destroy good competition and struggle against, uh, I mean, he destroy bad competition and then struggle when there's actually good defenders um, trying to trying to defend him. So I think Christian Kirk's getting a little bit like he's getting a lot of credit for the season he had. It was a good season, but as a fantasy asset, he was uh, very frustrating at times. Definitely frustrating, Mr. Christian Kirk. All right, let's get into our next player. My favorite category, personally, the Robert Ory player of the year, the clutch player, the guy who saved his best for life. It's a two-point Sacramento lead. We're down to seven seconds. Ryan putting a move on Christie. Rebound O'Neal. Coming up short. Ory for the win. I remember watching that shot live and being like, oh, shit, he did it again. Um, All right. Let's Spurs and he did it for the yeah. And that that wasn't even a pass. That was like Shaq just tipped the ball and it happened to find Robert Ori right before the freaking anyway. All right. Uh Michael, why don't you start us off on this one? Yeah, my Robert Ori award is a guy who I was wrong about him. I'm sorry to the patrons if they didn't go after him because I, I was not interested, and boy was I wrong about that because he saved his best three games for the fantasy playoffs. And that is Tyler Algier, who ended as a top 12 running back week 15, 16, and 17. In week 15, 17 rush attempts, 139 rushing yards, and a touchdown. In week 16, 18 rushes for 74 rushing yards, tacked on four catches for 43 yards. And in week 17, 23 for 83 on the ground with a touchdown. Three straight RB1 performances to close out the year after not having a single RB1 performance the entire season. He was an absolute game changer. I did not expect it to happen at all. But, man, if you had Tyler Algier, you were very happy about it. And if you picked him up before the playoffs, he hit those clutch shots for you. Yeah, Michael, remember when I uh, clutchly predicted that and you bet against me and then I won that bet? That was a good one. Uh, Matt, who is your Robert Ory player? Tim, you've never won the bets. I'll probably win this category too, and it's certainly some chalk, but there literally was not a more valuable fantasy asset in the final weeks of the playoffs than Jarek the Jet McKinnon. He averaged 25.5 points per game over the last four weeks, obviously RB1 overall during that stretch. Two consecutive RB1 performances with over 30 points leading into the playoffs and week one of the fantasy playoffs. Scored seven of his 10 total touchdowns in the final four weeks of the fantasy season. Nine of those touchdowns were receiving touchdowns, which are a higher mark than Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, Devontae Smith. Shout out to my boy Wyatt for posting that gem on Twitter. Uh, He put up 22.6 points in the fantasy championship, RB7. Lowest outing in the playoffs was 12 Point eight PPR points, which was still good for RB18 on the week, so even more than just a flex. Uh, McKinnon turned 
from a high priority late season waiver wire pickup into the quintessential must have fantasy football league winner posting weekly league altering stat lines in the playoffs. Yes, he's the guy, but there's another <laughs> guy. There's another guy, though. That came out of complete nowhere. I actually like Mike's pick a little more than mine, to be honest. Well, Jarek McKinnon went from like a guy that was never start never starting, but if you did start him, have it he would have you know, he wouldn't kill you games to very good games. Uh, my guy is a guy who in his career had 17 fantasy points total before week 13 of this year, and then proceeded to go uh in half PPR. 12.9, 13.8, 5.7, forget that. 18.9 in the semifinals and then backing it up with a 12.2 in the finals. Is that as I say Hodgins of the of oh, the good. Giants. Uh he is responsible for one of my teams. One of my teams that should have won a championship. I was down by 20 points with Josh Allen and Jamar Chase. I was going to win that championship, but unfortunately, I did not. Uh, and Isaiah Hodgins is a, is a good reason why I was going to win that championship. Um, he came out of nowhere, and he really stepped up. Uh, didn't really do it with targets in the beginning, but scored a touchdown in every single one of these games that I'm talking to you. He was the red zone target uh, for the Giants, and it showed. And the Giants played better. He played better. Uh, he he got to the point where he did almost nothing for the Giants to the point where in up until week eight, up until the bye week, he had six total targets on the year. Total targets on the year. After the bye week, he comes out against Houston, gets on the field, plays well, does a little thing against Dallas, loses a fumble, then plays a little. And then in Washington, he just breaks out. And when you're talking about Isaiah Hodgins, you're talking about a guy who went from not playing in those first weeks to betting, getting rested on the bench before the playoffs. Think about that. That's Robert Ory. That's what that is. I mean, that is that is some big shot Rob energy for sure. Big shot. <laughs> All right. Um, our next one, which we don't have a drop for either, LVP, the least valuable player who saved their worst for the playoffs. Uh, I guarded it. <laughs> I'm going to start. You know, I'm going to start. Fuck it. Because this guy is a guy that I personally acquired. I was like, oh, my God. Look at his remainder of the schedule. Justin Herbert is about to break fantasy with the schedule. He's going to play Tennessee, who's a great matchup. He's going to play. Then he's going to play Indian, Indianapolis. Another great matchup. Then he's going to get the Rams. Bro, this guy completely murdered your fantasy teams in week 15. 10 just under 11 fantasy points 10.72 this is the real killer 6.5 fantasy points against the colts and then he ends the year in the championship you didn't make it if you got there with 16 points all outside of the qb uh qb1 conversation if you acquired justin herbert because you thought you were going to have a playoff cheat code you got the exact opposite you got the playoff cheat code and how to lose quicker he was horrible. Six points for a quarterback. That's fucking ridiculous. Not good. Yeah. Justin the Herbert answer, is the answer to this one. No, I have the answer to him. It's not even close. The answer for me is DeAndre Hopkins, because if you drafted DeAndre Hopkins, you stashed him for seven weeks until he returned, and he was great when he returned. Not a single game under single digits. And then the bye week hit in week 13, 
and that was it. In week 14, he put up 9.4. That was whatever. The playoffs start week 15. In week 15, he put up 9.5 points against Denver, which didn't kill you, but it wasn't a game that you wanted at DeAndre Hopkins. And then against Tampa Bay, he went one catch for four yards on 10 targets for less than one half PPR fantasy point. And then in week 17, if you somehow got through that week 16 game with DeAndre Hopkins, an injury occurred and he was scratched like two days before the game started and you had to scramble to find the replacement for a guy that you stashed all year for this exact reason. He combined for 10.4 fantasy points weeks 15 through 17. Here's my problem with that. And I just kind of I just want to rebut real quick. Your guy had the circumstances around him collapse. My guy got back his best weapons and had the best stretch of matchups and sucked at his worst. No arguing. They both sucked. Go ahead, man. I got somebody that sucked just as bad. And I mean, I'll take some accountability for my high exposure and push of this man. Stefan Diggs is indeed this man. Ugh. I touted him as the potential wide receiver overall in 2021. And look, like by all accounts, Diggs had a phenomenal season. Posted 1,455 yards, 11 touchdowns on 110 receptions, 155 targets, 28.4% target share. All of that is top 10. However, and a very large however, Diggs left a lot of meat on the bone and a lot of production on the table during the final weeks. So what could have been a career year for the perennial All-Pro turned into an absolutely dusty finish in the final four weeks of the 2022 season. Dusty, he had great, zero great verb. wide receiver attitude. one finishes. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> he had zero wide receiver one finishes, zero wide receiver two finishes. And guess what? Zero wide receiver three finishes. That's right. Stefan Diggs' highest finish during the fantasy playoffs was a wide receiver four in at wide receiver 40. His highest scoring total through week 14 and 17 was 10.7 PPR points, wide receiver 40. He averaged 6.65 fantasy points during the playoffs, two consecutive outings of exactly 4.6 PPR points in the semifinals and the fantasy championship weeks. And obviously, yes, the fantasy championship week coincided with a very difficult situation, but nonetheless, he probably had your roster eliminated before that. <sighs> yeah, it sucks. All those guys sucked. Yeah, I'm speaking from pain. They're all they're all they're all great picks, to be honest. Um, all right, let's get into our second to last category here. It is the Shakespeare player. Shakespeare, Shakespeare in love. Shakespeare. Uh where's that from again? The what Shakespeare? Could have scary, been. scary movie. I'm at Shakespeare in love, remember? And then she starts getting stabbed because she keeps talking while the movie's happening. Oh, right yeah. Now, man. Yeah. Where's Shut where's up? It? The old white woman just stabs her then. Everyone starts slashing her neck and shit, and the killer's just sitting next to her and he runs away. Bro, I know hysterical. I know I have a, a drop for for this. Why is it not here? This is not good. This you is look not funny. Good. You look funny leaning into the yeah. Camera. All right. I guess we just gotta go into our Matt. Head. You know, if you if you lean closer to the to the camera, you could find your drops better in case you were wondering. <laughs> go ahead, Michael. Well, start start us up. <laughs> Yeah, my first, my guy here is, it was, it was someone else, but Tim asked for that guy and I'm a kind soul, but I went with Hollywood Brown because I think people forgot how good Hollywood Brown was to start the season. Through the first six weeks, he did not have a single game outside the top 36 wide receivers. And he had a three game stretch where he was a wide receiver one, all three games. Like Hollywood Brown was a locked and loaded top 15 wide receiver every single week through the first six weeks of the season. Then he got hurt and Colin Murray got hurt. And when he returned, it was disgusting. He had 
Um, he was outside the top 40 wide receivers weeks 12 through 16. And then he went six for 61, which was decent in week 17. But no Kyler Murray and uh, Trace McSorley and Colt McCoy throwing him the ball after returning from injury completely derailed his season. But I was Hollywood Brown even would have made sense in the way too early sleeper steal for next season. Now that it looks like uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get um, traded as well because Nuke could have had a. He could have had a much better season this year and if he didn't get hurt and circumstances went differently for the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of circumstances, circumstances going differently, I dream about what would happen if Brees Hall didn't tear his ACL way too often. Like, considering how much, how little effect it actually had in my life, I think about it too much. Um, the reason I think about it is because this guy was eighth in PPR points per game. When he played. And this is this is counting the first few weeks where he hardly did anything. He was an absolute monster. Um, in the time that he did play, uh, he caught 31 balls for ni- 19 receptions. Uh, his yards per reception was third. His receiving yards per game was sixth. The most impressive thing to me, his points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, was fourth. He was third in the league in yards per carry, 5.8 yards per carry. There's not really much else you could say about the fact that if Brees Hall stayed healthy, he would have been an absolute monster beast in fantasy that would have won you some championships. And it's sad that Bruce he did Hall not. stays healthy, he's the 1-1 one, one next year. 100,000%, he might still be. So, Brees Hall, man. Brees Hall. Brees Hall. That's all I have to my, say. Uh, it's quite the player. My Shakespeare. I'm going to just cut you off then. <laughs> if that's all you got to say. My Shakespeare... Uh, what could have been is, is Drake London. I mean, like, just imagine if Drake London got drafted by a team that attempted more than 24 pass attempts per game, which, by the way, ranks 34th with ahead of only the Bears, like the only two teams under 25 pass attempts per game. Somehow, London still managed to earn 117 targets despite the Falcons throwing fewer than 450 passes on the season. He topped all rookie wideouts with a 29.4% target share, all rookie wideouts with a 32.4% target rate. I mean, in fact, he topped most players in the NFL as his target share ranked fifth and his target rate ranked second amongst all players. Just 10.4 PPR points per season. And I know we don't like doing splits, but let's do them because we're talking about what could have been. He averaged 14.8 points per game in the contests in which he saw more than six targets. 15.9 points per game in the contest in which he saw more than eight targets and 17.1 points per game in the contest in which he saw more than 10 targets. And that's not just a product of like manufacturing opportunities or the team needing to have 50 pass attempts for him to be able to put up points per game. No, because he's earning targets more than anyone in the NFL. Like he's earning targets at a rate and at a market share that are above almost any rookie ever. Once Ritter took over, he saw no fewer than eight targets for five consecutive games. That led to 14.2 points per game. Like it literally is just a product of them passing at a league average. It doesn't even have to be a high volume, high functioning passing offense where you're putting up 50 pass attempts a game, 45. It literally just has to be league average. Like 32 pass attempts per game would have led to a wide receiver one finish for Drake London. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Drake London performs without those quarterback questions. All right. Oh, by the way, I found the Shakespeare drop, so I'm going to play it anyway. I know it's I know it's late, but I'm doing it. Wandering around Stratford after a couple of beers, knocking on doors, going, "Is this to be or not to be?" <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that. It's mine. <laughs> All right. 
Nah. All right, let's get into our waiver rider. But the park is still flooded, so you'll see kids out yeah. there again. Some today of those kids today will be my co-hosts. Just like, <laughs> dude, you get the best barrels ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them, and you just drop in and just smack the lip, whoop, drop down, snap, and then after that. You just drop in, just ride the barrel, and get pitted. So pitted like that. Well, actually, you know what? I take. That's it? That's a pretty good one. What do you think? Not bad. I'm going to go first because mine, mine is not the answer. Uh, but he did well for you. Evan Ingram, uh, he was a great waiver pickup, for especially for a four-week period where he finished as a tight end, six or better, four straight weeks. Now, he did not do great uh, in the fantasy championship, so it sours a little bit. But if you needed a tight end and you were tight end needy, Evan Ingram was the medicine that you took. So he is my waiver ri- rider. Excuse me. Matt, who'd you have? My waiver super flex. Oh, I went super flex. Yeah. <laughs> My waiver wire super flex hero. None other than uh, 22's Mr. Irrelevant 49er starting playoff quarterback, Brock Purdy. I've been going from the final pick of the 2022 draft to a starting quarterback on a team hosting a home field advantage in the playoffs is an incredible story in and of itself. But the fact that he was the most productive quarterback for fantasy from the 49ers offense that we have seen in the Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan era is Certainly something that should not be overlooked, and I think something that nobody expected, not even the 49ers themselves. He took over the starting role in Week 13. He put up 15.3 against the Dolphins, a respectable, gutsy performance that got the 49ers the win. But then he won a league-winning stretch, like a a legitimate league-winning stretch that put him above just a replacement-level streamer. QB 8 in Week 14. A little drop-off, QB 14 in Week 15, but still serviceable. QB 12 in Week 16, QB 9 in Week 17. And for those crazy enough to play fantasy in Week 18, 19.8 points against the Cardinals as QB 5 in the final week. Four finishes as QB 1 in the final five weeks. Only performance outside of QB 1 territory in that stretch, and that obviously includes fantasy playoffs, um, was QB 14. Threw for multiple touchdowns in every single one of his starts. 13 touchdowns to only three interceptions during his time as the team's lead signal caller. Like, if you got Brock Purdy off of waivers for the Kyler Murray injury where you weren't riding waivers in in streaming quarterbacks or other bad matchups falling apart or Jalen Hurts, I mean, more than happy. He was putting up numbers above guys that finished as QB1s overall. Purdy, Purdy, good. Get it? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Tim is muted. What an idiot. Finish us off. Bring us in under an hour, kid. Yeah. After week 12, this guy was widely available. And if you picked him up, he was a top five running back the rest of the way. And that was Cam Akers, who against Seattle in week 13 went 17 for 60 on the ground with two touchdowns. I'm against Las Vegas, 12 for 42 in a touchdown. In week 15, 12 for 65 and three for 35 through the air in the semifinal in the quarterfinals is RB20. In week 16, he won you your week. Third, 23 rush attempts, 118 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Absolutely dominated. And then in week 17, the RB14, 19 rushing, 19 rushes, 123 rushing yards, and a catch for 10 yards as well for some extra points in there. He was a top five back over the last five weeks of the season. And it just, uh, if you picked him up, bada bing, bada boom. Cam Akers, I mean, he definitely won your semifinals week. He, decent finals week, too, but Cam Akers was a uh, a stud over the last few weeks of the season. Fantasy playoff stud, that's a fact. Did not see that coming. There yeah, it is, yeah. patrons. Go vote. Vote or die. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Later. Later.